Would you please join me in prayer? Father, thank you so much for everything that we get to do, that you allow us to do, that you invite us into your work, Father. That is such a privilege. Lord, I pray that we never, ever forget the gift that that is that we don't take for granted, that you choose to work with ordinary, everyday people to show who you are and your love. And so I pray, Lord, that we would all come together in every possible way to do that, that we can be a force to be reckoned with in your name so that you would be glorified. And so, Lord, thank you for today's message. It is going to be a hard message because it's one that sometimes we maybe don't want to deal with. As we talk about hate in the world, I pray that... um, You would just reveal to us if there's anything in us that we need to work on in that area. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are talking about hate today, appropriately so, considering that we're celebrating Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday tomorrow. Um, So we're going to start the message off with a video um, called Justice. We've always perceived ourselves as people of freedom. freedom of equality, of human decency, of the right to live without fear. These freedoms have been given to us by many who sacrificed greatly. And somehow we've believed that the war has been won, that we have arrived But if we open our eyes, we can see that the dream has not yet been fully realized. That there are still battles to fight. Still inequalities present. Still souls suffering. That our faith demands more than awareness and that no generation is exempt from these battles. But we are held responsible to stand, to do justly, to love mercy, and to serve the least of these. Today's going to be challenging. Uh, hopefully, it'll be encouraging. But, but basically, we want to start out with the video, and we want, to, we want to catch some of the thoughts that were, were left in that. First, God tells us how to walk, how to live. He tells us uh, to tell us to, to do what's good, to do what the Lord requires, but to do justice, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with our God. You know, in the, the video, it, it I just grabbed some of the thoughts that were there because I thought they were so great. Our faith demands more than awareness. Uh, No generation is exempt from these facts that we are responsible to stand, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. These are facts. These are things that are laid out. So I'm I'm putting this forward to to Christians today specifically. If you're a visitor here, kind of hang on. We're going to talk about some of the things that Christians are called to do. Uh, invited to do that we get to do what god expects from us 
We're going to talk about justice, love, uh, about walking humbly with God. But also we're talking about just not hearing and being aware, but actually taking action. First action inside of our hearts, inside of our minds, and then in the things that we do inside of the community and how we treat other people. We Every year as, as a church, uh, at, I like to stop on this particular weekend and remind us of the basics of being a citizen, of being a Christian, of being a human being. We, we picked Martin Luther King uh, Jr.'s weekend uh, specifically to be able to do this, to remind us. And this year, of course, we're, we're obviously honored to have it here. Uh, we do so much of this. Now, I have to start out with a confession, and uh, that confession is, is pretty straightforward. I am clueless. When it comes to racial reconciliation and, and racial prejudice and those things, I ten years ago or so, we had the honor of uh, hosting Martin Luther King here before. Uh, I, I go because we should go. How can we not go to such an event? And so they asked me to speak, and foolishly, it took them ten years to forget how badly I did. <laughs> And they're going to do it again. Uh, but I got up, and I just had to confess when I got up that I'm clueless. Raised in San Diego, uh, Coronado, a little island off by itself. We, we had, uh, yeah, really nice place. It was hardship, really. Uh, so, but when I was there, we, we had all uh, the races representative. They were there. Uh, but there was no thought of segregation. There was no thought of prejudice. We just all went out and got in trouble together, more or less. And uh, But I was clueless. I grew up, went, went to school in San Diego through college, uh, played sports all the time, everywhere. All, no difference. No, no, no distinction whatsoever. The, the one stake that was driven into my ground, in, into the ground of my heart, was my dad was so incredibly prejudiced that it was that it was it was so blatant that it never I just really kind of a deal, uh, but I had no exposure to it. Got out of college, went in the Marine Corps for almost fourteen years, and there was I, I saw no racism or prejudice inside the Marine Corps at the time I was in there. I was treated equal. I had, I had hundreds of people working for me at all times, but I was clueless. Now this is the interesting part. I was clueless to all the civil rights movements that were taking place, or movement that took place inside of our country. I was unaware of the events. I mean, I wasn't totally isolated. I'd hear something in the news, but it, it, it didn't have any impact on me. It, it, I, I thought it was over there or something, and it couldn't be that bad. I was wrong. I was really wrong. And uh, so I apologize for that, that I wasn't aware uh, but the interesting thing is that so many of the people who listened to that speech came up and they'd never heard about a tall, bald, uh, Caucasian, Swedish guy that was totally clueless. The assumption was that everyone knew what was going on. But we really didn't. That doesn't change our responsibilities. But I'm only saying that up front because... Probably a lot of people here today are unaware of the inequality, the prejudice that's taking place inside of our country, our town, and our world today. And so we get the opportunity again to go and to remind ourselves of what God is doing in this world. 
And, and we start out, and, and of course, on this, we, we want to talk about a dream, a speech that was given uh, by Martin Luther King. We celebrate Martin Luther King as a, as a man, as a civil rights person, but also as a Christian leader who reminded us and, and, and brought our conscience back to life. His dream uh, is that it's in the American dream, rooted in that, that this nation will, will actually follow out its creed that these truths are self-evident. We're created equal by God. And it, we want, as he wanted, his, he wanted his four children to be not judged by the external, but by the quality of their life, by their character. That was his dream. It was a dream of the founders of our country. So uh, he picks it up from there and moves on. Uh, but it's also the dream of every rational person. It's a dream. It's, what it should, it's the way it should be. We know it. But when he, when he gave this speech, it wasn't a time of safety and security. This was not a time of peace. But it was a time of conflict, racism, prejudice, and the threat of physical danger and death. In demonstrations, peaceful demonstrations, peaceful assemblies, dogs were turned loose on people. Fire hoses were shot at them. Uh, innocent people were hanged. One of the saddest days that, that actually became part of the springboard uh, for the civil rights movement in 1963, September 15th in Birmingham, Alabama, the Ku Klux Klan bombed the 16th Avenue Baptist Church. Many of us have seen the pictures of four innocent young girls that were in, a ba in the basement of that church being carried out. It, 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 during all of this, I was still clueless. It, I, I didn't understand the dream. I didn't understand what was going on. But freedom, the removal of, of prejudice and all of that is the dream. It's not a dream I carry. Still got a long way to go. But I'm trying to figure it out. But more importantly, the dream didn't die with Martin Luther King because we know that the winner of the Nobel Peace Prize that spoke for the oppressed and those that weren't receiving justice was assassinated. He knew the risk he was taking and he was willing to pay that price. And, and many others have, have done the exact same thing. We know that. We need to see people as God sees them. You see, every human being is made in the image of God. Every human being. And, and, as, and as, as we go forward, we need to recognize everyone that we look at. I don't care where they are, what part of the world. Christ died for them. That's all of the world. Each person that he died for them. We're created in his image. Christ died. We need to know that. We, as Christ, followers of Christ, that needs to be our awareness. Because so often we're too caught up in our own lives. We need to be reminded of these basic truths. Uh, again, this year, and I, I, I want to say what Dion said, this year we get the opportunity of hosting uh, the celebration here. Uh, they, they chose Crossroads uh, because of the size of the auditorium and the hope that Crossroadians would come, and so that the other churches could gather us. And so, personal invitation from me to you, please be here. Uh, it's, it's an ongoing event that, that I go to because I want to help. Numbers of years ago, 
uh, I just went in after this, the, the, the service that they put on. Uh, they had a sign-up sheet for anyone who wanted to volunteer. And I said, well, how could I not want to be part of this and signed up? And they actually called me, and that started a chain of events that, that brought it to here last time. So we're going to do it again. But this, the dream of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, it's not a reality. The Civil Rights Movement is on the books, passed in 1964, but it's not here yet because it's on the law books, but it's not in our hearts. We each fight this battle to make it the reality. You know, in fact, if you stop, we're seeing more and more division. We don't like to say that, but it's true. As you look, if you're, you look at the objective evidence, we face major challenges. We're going as a nation in the other direction. The divisions inside of us, racially, politically, economically, religiously, they're going the wrong way. We see strife and we see anger on the news. The division grows deeper. The animosity increases. Hate groups prosper. Uh, again, and, and it's fed by a, a media frenzy that wants to resell over and over and over again atrocities inside of our nation. It becomes headlines. If it bleeds, it leads. If it causes hate and discontent, maybe they can gather an audience and we'll come back to listen to them. Just, and, 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 and so often, I, 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 years ago, I got in the habit of, uh, if I click around on the TV, which I don't do a lot of because uh, I don't have time, but clicking around and I see uh, a show, I see something that's sexually, get off. I listen to, every time a medical ad comes on, because I don't know what's coming, I click it off, you know. <laughs> Too embarrassing to watch and listen to. But, but currently, when, when they're putting on these atrocities, I click it off. It, it's, and again, just, just, just today's news, uh, uh, a 14-year-old youth in, in Tempe, Arizona was killed. You may not know that. Uh, he was gunned down uh, by a police officer. There's times I thank God for body cams and, and dash cams and all that. But that's going to unfold itself. Uh, one story. In, in Minnesota, uh, St. Louis Park, uh, in a domestic violence situation, someone else was shot down. It'll be all over the news because they stir division and strife inside of our country. Somehow they're, they're coming from the wrong source. We'll talk about that later. But I'm going to talk about something just, just to irritate everybody here. Okay? It's my goal. And so let's talk about what's going on inside of our country. Currently, we know that we're approaching the State of the Union speech, those of you who follow American politics and the year. And so uh, uh, on the screen, we have the, the most powerful person in the United States, the President of the United States. Most of us don't know that Nancy Pelosi is the third in line to take over the presidency. So uh, these are... Uh, first and third most powerful person in the United States and probably in the world. Okay? So how are we doing? Well, the problem is we're divided, as you know. The, and, 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 I, and I want this with just, and I don't care which side you take. I, I really don't. Talk to me afterwards. Because uh, <laughs> I can't line up with either of them. But that's another thing. But here's why. Because any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. As we approach the civil rights, or excuse me, the, uh, 
the, the speech is given on the State of the Union. The president gives it. He goes to the, the House of Representatives, the Senate's there, the uh, Supreme Court's there, all the heavies, all the military. Everyone lines up to listen to him give the State of the Union. Well, the, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, who owns the House, by the way, she could say, this is my house, and she's right said, you can't come, because there's a shutdown. I don't know if you have your political stuff. You can't come. Nah, nah, nah. So, but that's okay. President Trump's come back and go, oh, by the way, you know this, mil- this trip you were taking on a fact-finding trip overseas? You were going to use a military airplane. You can't have it. Nah, nah, nah. Now, how- I raised kids, and I think they would have done better than that. They certainly never nah, nah, nah in front of us. It's a heart check, guys. This, this, this is just an example. This would be funny as a Saturday Night Live skit. It is not funny at the highest level of politics inside of our country. We live in a post-Christian country. We elect post-Christian leaders, and times of challenge and controversy are upon us. They're real, they're deep, and they're driving us apart. Without God, slander, anger, division, and strife are evident inside of our country. Our Congress and our political leaders carry out the politic of hate. They don't state policies. They just say how the other person is wrong and why you should be really upset with them. And that's what they do. But the division is just not political. It's not racial. The divisions are between the rich and the poor. The haves and the have-nots. It grows more every year. We're not aware of that. Uh, but but we see it in the news. We see CEOs who are fired because of incompetency or immorality getting a hundred million dollar bonus. Really, church, fire me. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> so in 2015, the top one percent made 26.3 times more than the 99 percent underneath them. Uh, the division grows more every year as more and more people slip below the poverty line inside of our country. Homeless numbers continue to grow uh, in this age of unprecedented economic growth. Political division over border security, taxes, welfare programs, sexual orientation, right to life, to unborn babies, religious freedom threaten the whole fiber of our country. We're paralyzed by hate speech and hate living. It's just time we just take a step back and look at the reality that's going on that's played out in front of us. Now, I love these two verses because we ought to maybe send them to all of our, uh, all of our political leaders and some of our business leaders. Hey, fools, <laughs> think their old way is right, uh, but the wise will listen to others. Our congressional people need to hear that fools have no interest in understanding They only want to air their own opinions. I don't care if they're political leaders, a talking head on TV. I don't care who they are or what they are. It's just talk, talk, talk. No one listens. No one looks to bring about justice. Racial justice, economic justice are are needed. We still have racial and economic profiling. Medical services are not equal in this country. If, if you go to a hospital and you have resources, you can go to places no one else can go. You're not going to, to, to places where uh, they just line up and, uh, to be able to be served in those situations. Also, just by the way, legal services. 
We, we think that we kind of have something going on there. We don't. Here's a, here's a verse that, that talks about justice. This is one of my favorite verses. By the way, this first one, when you look at justice in our country, our legal system is broken. It's badly broken. Don't be surprised if you see a poor person being oppressed by the powerful and if justice is being miscarried throughout the land, and it is. Every official is under orders of higher up and matters of justice get lost in red tape and bureaucracy. Even the king, the, the leaders, they've milked the land for their own profit. It takes years and years to, to bring something through the court system. We have appeal court after appeal court after appeal court. Bureaucracy above it. To even get a trial date, it can be six, eight months, a year just to get It's in front of us. And, and people can sit on death row for 20 years. And I'm not talking plus or minus uh, on the, on, on the uh, right to life and, and capital punishment. But when a crime is not punished quickly... People feel free and safe in doing wrong. If, if we can get away with it and we can sit and, and all this stuff for this long, go out and some of the, if you can afford it, be out on bail. We have broken the system. The only people, and I'm sorry, that get rich are the, those people who can stir the pot the most. And those are often the legal representatives that are supposed to solve the issues they get paid by prolonging the issues. That's not, a, that's not a lawyer joke. That's just the reality of the situation. Anyone that's gone through a divorce hearing understands absolutely that the longer the fight goes on, the more money they make. And this goes on in the legal system, and it's just bogged down. The, the courts back up with people uh, waiting to be heard. The political divisions, they're deep and they run throughout us. The truth is, if we do not overcome the challenges that we're facing in the area of divisions of all kind, we will cease to exist as a nation. And I'm an old dude, but I am convinced I will see it in my lifetime. That this great nation, if it doesn't get its act together will fall in a way that will be so destructive. And the thing is, we will have deserved it. We've been given everything. We've been given resources. We've been giving, given our founding documents given to us. We've been given education. We've been given everything. We've been given an abundance. And we continue to flush it away under division and strife. And actually, if you stop and take a step back, I use these verses a lot, and people should be familiar with them. If you want to know how we're doing, if a, if a nation, if a family, if a group or a person will turn around and we follow the desires of our flesh and our selfishness and everything else, when we follow those desires of our sinful nature, immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, and here you go. Here's our national scene. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, parties, just let it go. And if we do those things, we cut ourselves off from the kingdom of God. Personally, personally, and as a nation. If we choose to follow God and His Spirit and His desires, 
There'll be a manifestation in our country, our neighborhoods, our homes, and in our hearts of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's our choice. This is no mystery. This is the truth that's there. It's my choice. It's your choice. What we listen to. I, I challenge people all the time as we watch TV news and shows and videos all these things taking place, we, we, we see homeless people, we see grisly crime scenes, we see all of these things taking place. It's what we pour in decides what's inside of our heart. Most people here understand the challenges. We listen to our favorite talking head on TV. If we're, not politically, if we're politically oriented, we're going to listen to the people that feed our hate. How about that for a strong statement? And, and if, if some liberal comes on or some conservative comes on on the opposite side, we're booing on the inside. We're going after them because we hate them. We hate what they stand for. You know, I, I say this quite often, and it's, and it's fun to say this. And many of you have responded to this correctly, and we'll talk about that. But I tell people, if you're watching TV... And you're listening to or reading the news or, or getting input to the society and stirring up inside of you is, oh, hostility and anger. And I oh, go get those, rip their head off kind of an attitude. If, if that happens to you, you are not mature enough to listen to the news. Stop it. Stop it. I've got several... I've got several, we almost have a, a, a newsaholic uh, or, or, or newsaholic uh, recovery group inside of our church. We should start it because several people have come up to me and says, Bill, I've taken your advice and turned the TV off, and I feel so much better. We can celebrate our, our liberty and our freedom. Never mind. But, but we have to do something. But there's a, there's a, there's a path to hope. It was laid out in 1963. The dream that was stated for us very clearly. We can pick up this dream. It's not just his dream. It's a dream of our founders. It's a dream of everyone that there would be equality. The dream is not dead. But be clear of one thing. The hope is not in Washington, D.C. It's not in Sacramento. It's not in business or union leaders. And it's certainly not in the media and news sources that feed hate into our country right now. Uh, Christians are the hope of this country. Never forget it. Because we respond to a law higher. We respond to truth and love from the highest echelons. We respond to God himself in the calling that he puts upon us. And he tells us how to change a country. I use this verse all the time because it's so simple. I'm simple. God makes it simple. When things go wrong in a country, God shuts up heaven. Rain doesn't fall, commands grasshoppers to devour the cross and plagues among us. We have the plate of, of inequality and the, plate, the, the plague of anger taking place around us. If God's people, if Christians who are honestly called by his name, real Christians, will humble themselves. Remember the first verse to walk humbly with our God? If we'll put our pride, selfishness, and judgmental attitudes aside and, and, and walk humbly, 
praying to God, seeking his face, his way, and more importantly, his heart, and turn from our wicked ways, God will hear, he will forgive our sins, and he will restore our lands. That's his promises. But for that to happen, we need to follow Jesus. The challenge is in front of us today. And oh, by the way, I want to go to, we often talk about uh, Dr. King's dream. For Christians, I encourage you to read the letters from the Birmingham jail. When he was, he was locked up for coming uh, into, into Birmingham and was going to put on a peaceful demonstration, they threw him in jail. Not unusual for him. Oh, by the way, when he was in there, the pastors, the Christian leaders of that town, wrote a letter scathingly accusing him of being the problem. And, and so over the time when he was incarcerated in jail... Uh, he, they would not give him any paper, so he took newspapers and he wrote around the, the edges and he, and he sketched, sketched out a letter to go back to them. Uh, and, and his comment in this was, uh, I just want to talk to the Christian leaders. I want to, I want to approach them with, with, with truth because he's talking to Christians, a Christian talking to Christians. He says, I'm in the, the Birmingham jail because injustice is here. They asked why he was in Birmingham. I'm in Birmingham because you guys are whacked. That was not what he said. Uh, that's a bill translation. Because injustice is here, and it was. He says, just as the prophets of the 8th century left their villages and, and carried, thus saith the Lord. See, he came, and he said, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say, thus saith Martin Luther King. He said, thus saith the Lord. And, and so, and just as the apostle Paul left Tarsus and went out and carried the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what he was doing. And so he writes back to these people, and I encourage you to read that over. It's a long letter. As a matter of fact, it's a very long letter. It's very interesting at the end of it. He says, I normally don't respond to critics, and I never use long letters, but since you've given me so much time to write, <laughs> he responds to them. You've got to love that. Uh, so how do, we, how do we overcome this? First, we said this before, every human being is made in the image of God. It's Christianity 101. From the beginning, male, female, all races. And by the way, scientific evidence continues to, to prove that, that we're all brothers and sisters under the skin. Uh, this world, God loves the, you know, each person in the world. Uh, and ultimately, we're going to be in heaven I was reading this in, in, in Revelation when it talks about we're from every tribe, race, person, all over the world. We're going to be standing equal in front of the throne of God. Loving God is the way he's loved us. Uh, that's, that's the truth and the foundations. And followers of Christ are to love others. If you're here a Christ follower, this is an incredibly convicting verse. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer or someone else, he's a liar. Because how can we not love someone else, you know, uh, who we see, and we say we love God who we can't see? This is wrong. So very clear that, that love is the commandment. And understand that prejudice is a sin. It's a sin against the creator who created him. So it, 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 it says, dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in this? You know, 
we have to take action. We have to do something. Discrimination and judgment, these are guided by evil motives. Don't judge other people. If, again, one of the things that we have to, we come to this is, the truth is, we're all sinners. So often we get all wrapped up in judging other people because of their sin. Oh, guess what? Let's get the logs out before we go after their splinters. If we're judging and we're already guilty before God, we're all sinners. They're sinners. You know, love them. We, we, we don't have to you know, say that you're right because w- there's truth, but we have to love them. This world will be changed by our love. Christ gave his life up for us. We should give our life up for other people. Action is required in this physical world. We need to feed the poor, try to help the homeless. We send missionaries. We, we just talked about the campfire. We've got men right now down in Mexico uh, for the power ministry. And we're going to continue. We continue to build Baja houses. Mission Ridgecrest, by the way. You know, it was in the announcements today. That's next Saturday. This is, I don't want to, I am so excited at some potential here. We have for quite a while, but another church asked us to, invited us to be part of what they're doing, Victory Baptist. A friend of mine uh, leads that church, Ed Thomas, and so uh, we're going to go together into the community. They and their church are picking up tasks and chores to do, and uh, we're doing that in our church. We're going to get together, we're going to go out uh, together. Wouldn't it be great if next year there's five churches? And maybe 10. And maybe even the Baptist will join us. And there'll be 400. (laughs) Eddie would be quick to point out, we are a Baptist church, Bill. So, (laughs) taking action. Now, Jesus really nailed this one down. And the rest of the time we have together, I'm going to take you you through an incident in Jesus' life. His ministry had grown. People were following him in crowds. Miracles were taking place. And, and, but the religious establishment of the time was afraid of him. He wasn't following their rule book. He wasn't honoring them. He was honoring God. He was going to where the people were the way they were and telling them about the kingdom of God and God's love. And this bothered them so one day a an expert in the religious law comes up to jesus and he and he and he stood up and he wanted to test him now this isn't a test in a good context this is a test hoping jesus would fail and so he says teacher uh what should i do to inherit eternal life well jesus responds back to him uh like a good teacher to draw the 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 questioner out well what should I do? He says, well, what does the law of Moses say? You follow the law of Moses. How do you read it? He says, What's your understanding of the law of Moses? And, and now the guy responds, and now he should have responded this way because we have to remember that the Jewish people, even student, just regular students, would have memorized the first five books of the, New, the Old Testament by the time they finished their, their education. Now, this guy was a scribe, a religious leader, and so he probably would have memorized the whole Marofa, uh, going into it because that's uh, they had the ability to do that they didn't have their you know it wasn't on their phone app back then they hadn't done that but uh, so he responds correctly 
And, and the great commands of God are, are wrapped up. In, and you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul, your strength. Love with everything you've got. And, and, and you should also love your neighbor as you love yourself. The as is not there, but it's there. We don't have any trouble with self-love. This self-esteem, self-love movement's a bunch of hooey. I've never had trouble. Pride is our problem. I won't go into that message. Love your neighbor as yourself, as we already love ourselves. And so this is a great answer. And so Jesus responds to that correctly. He says, good. You got that down. Right, Jesus says. And he says to him, well, do this and you'll live. Now, I love Jesus in the way he interacts with people. He just gives them enough rope. But the man wanted to justify himself, just make himself look good, uh, to justify his actions. Now, that's important, actions. So he asked Jesus, well, who's my neighbor? Because it was clear in his mind who his neighbor was. Back in this day, the Jew, there were the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews were the Jews, and they were way cool. The Gentile, the word means dog. That's what they thought of everyone else. So, uh, who's my neighbor? Let's, let's get that clear. And he was expecting Jesus to come back and probably say Jews. And, but, but Jesus didn't do that. He begins with a story. And the story is about a Jewish man. A Jewish man was traveling uh, down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, uh, that's a dangerous trip. It's actually uh, 16 miles and it's called, it was called in the, that day the Way of Blood because so many robbers were there. And the canyons were very narrow, not like Red Rock Canyon where it's spread out and you can see them coming. That, but we actually, our, one of the bus tours went right by that, this area, this, this dangerous area where they could hide and it could be on you before you knew what was going on. And, and, and that's what happened. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, the Way of Blood, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead by the side of the road. This, this Jewish man was, was in bad shape. So, now he continues the story, and uh, he says, a priest came by. A, a, a priest, someone that interceded for people in front of God that brought sacrifices. This holy person came along. But when he saw the man, he just, whoa, other side, liner. He crossed the other side of the road and kept going. Next, a temple assistant. Now, this was the one who would have helped the priest, who would have carried the animals, maybe got them, looked them over, said they're okay, uh, cleaned the ashes out of the, the burner when it was all over. Temple assistant walked by, and he looked at this guy lying there. Whoa, he went to the other side and kept going. And so... Uh, I'm sure that the Jewish guy that was hearing these questions was going, where's this going? Where's this taking me? And then Jesus does something that's unthinkable then and sadly now. He says, then a despised Samaritan comes by. And the the Jewish leader that was listening to this story probably, yeah, despised is right. If you're not familiar with the Samaritans at that time and the hatred 
that flowed back and forth, the prejudice that flowed back and forth between Jews and Samaritans. Samaritans were, uh, came from the northern half of Israel. Uh, back in the day after King Solomon, Israel split in two parts, Judah out of Jerusalem and Samaria, Israel up to the north. And uh, so they were two separate countries. Northern kingdom was captured and the people were taken away and people from other countries were brought in to live in Israel. And they intermarried with the Jews that remained there. They created their own religious system. They had their own temple. Uh, they had the, they'd recopied the Torah to fit whatever their belief was at the time. And they hated each other. They were despised. Uh, Jesus one time was talking to the woman at the well, and she says, why are you talking to me? You guys hate us. We never talk. Jesus goes on with the conversation. But this time, this despised Samaritan. So you could imagine just rising up in him. Why are you bringing this guy into the story? And so came along, and, and he saw the man. Now, I, I want you to notice that everyone looked at the man. The two Jewish people, they looked at him. The Samaritans saw him. Totally different words in the original. He saw him, and he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, he soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them, put the man on his own donkey. Now, recognize the situation. Now, when, when you're, in, if you're in a combat situation and there's been an ambush, you're looking. You're, he's in badlands. And he takes the time to risk his life to help someone who hates him. Loads him on a donkey, takes him down the road, uh, takes him to an inn, takes care of him. Next, he hands the innkeeper his, his, his uh, American Express and, and says, charge up a storm with this guy. If it gets higher than my limit, when I come back, I'll give you another card. He goes down the road. And, and so... Uh, the guy is probably saying, uh-oh. <laughs> the Jewish guy listening to Jesus' story, uh-oh. This is not good. Because they hated each other because of what had gone back and forth. But then the Samaritan saw, and he did something about it. So Jesus asked him a question. He says, well, we told the story now. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? And I, I can almost imagine the Jewish leader, the one, the Samaritan who showed mercy. <laughs> but that's the point of the whole story. Except Jesus has a message for us at the end of it. Go and do the same. Go and do the same. So I have to ask you the question now, after all this, who's your Samaritan? Who are the people you hate? Who are the people you would go around? Who are the people that you would look at them and, and not really see them? This is not a rhetorical question. Because each person here and myself, we wrestle with this. 
Is, is, is our Samaritan uh, a political Samaritan? And we go to the other side of the road. We, we look, but we don't see. Is it a Republican, a Democrat, a Socialist, a Communist, the talking heads that we oppose? Are those our Samaritans that we despise? Is that us? Is it racial? White, black, Hispanic, Asian? What is that? Religious, Muslim, jihadist, false Christian teacher, humanistic teacher, atheist, agnostics. Are they our Samaritans that we despise? How about the LGBT community? A few buttons there. Do we despise them? How about the casino in our town, by the way? Glad that's over. Peaceable little town divided in two parts. What do we do? How do we deal with that? You know, the truth is there's a battle in my heart and your heart to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God and our fellow human beings. This is the point of today. In our country, our town, our church, our families. Where is it? When we look at people, do we see someone made in the image of God? Do we see a, a, a sinner that Christ died for? Do we see a fellow sinner struggling along in life just like us? Or do we go to the other side of the road? No matter who we are, where we are here today, there's one thing we need to ask for. That's forgiveness. Let's watch a video. Join me in prayer. Lord, I, I speak for myself again and ask for forgiveness for the times that I've seen and yet not seen and understood. Lord, thank you for your grace, your mercy. For me, let me pass it on. Lord, for each person here, let us see through your eyes. See through your eyes that, that you love in a way that, that goes so deep inside of you and, and for us. The outside, the circumstances, the situation, even the sin in our life does not dilute or remove your love for us. Let us reach out humbly for other people that we might help that we might be part of the solution thank you that you will point out in us any of those fortresses of evil that cause us to judge other people lord we thank you that you will give grace you will give mercy and you will allow us to be part of the solution we thank you in christ's name amen